This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. Halfway through Trump's term and the week after International Women's Day, it's time to look at the big picture of where women stand in the United States and around the world at this point. For that, we turn, of course, to Katha Pollitt, poet, essayist, and columnist for The Nation. She also publishes in The New Yorker and The New York Times. Katha, welcome back. Hi, John. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, International Women's Day was March 8th. I did not get my wife flowers. How bad was that? <laughs> well, let me tell you, if you were in uh, many parts of the world, that would have been very bad. Uh, almost as bad as a boss not giving his secretary flowers for uh, Secretary's Day. But, but didn't International Women's Day at least start out as being something different from Valentine's Day or any of the other official floral holidays? Well, it did. It did. It was started by socialists in 1909, and it was celebrated for many years, mostly in the left world. But one thing I I notice is every celebration of women, no matter where it begins, uh, Mother's Day started as a pacifist holiday. Before you know it, it turns into this occasion for faintly guilt-ridden offerings from men and children. It's like they, they think, I know something's wrong with this, but I can't put my finger on what it is. Here's some flowers. Well, your new column at The Nation, just to change a key here, has a shocking photo of flowers on International Women's Day. It's a picture of flowers and cards placed on the ground in tribute to women killed by their partners, marking International Women's Day in Bucharest, Romania. That was a shocker. Yes, yes. There are a number of places where they use the the day to call attention to violence against women. Jess Phillips, who is an MP in um, in the UK, reads out loud all the women who who have been murdered by men in the UK that year. Well, let's 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 switch to to good news and talk That's about briefly what women have to celebrate this year. And let's start right here at home in the good old USA, obviously all those women winning seats in Congress and taking those seats this year uh, after the midterm elections is a big thing. It's huge. It's so great. And so many of them are young, too, which is really wonderful. There are 102 women now serving in the the House, um, and that's the largest number ever. And it it includes a record record number of women of color, the first Muslim, the first Native American women, two of each. But when all that is said, women still account for only 23.4% of total House members. The U.S. does poorly uh, when it comes to female parliamentarians. Guess where we are, John? Oh, I don't know, third or fourth? No, 78. Oh, wow. Tied with Montenegro, according to the Interparliamentary Union. Well, who's Um, at the top of the list? Don't ask me that. Uh, Oh, I know the answer to that. It's Rwanda. Rwanda is, I think, the only country in the world that is majority women parliamentarians. And then also uh, toward the top are Cuba, Bolivia, and then you get to Sweden and places like that. But, you know, the interesting thing is 50 countries have lower houses composed of 30% or more women. And most of those countries, there's a quota. 
you know, that there has to be like 30% or whatever of women. Quotas work very well for this purpose. But the, the thing that's unfortunate, and it doesn't get noticed enough, is that some of the countries where women do really well in Parliament are countries where Parliament really is just a rubber stamp for the, the top guy. For example, Cuba, or for that matter, Rwanda, which is not exactly a very democratic place. So quotas and have a dictator. <laughs> that's the way to go. <laughs> that's not fair. Be a Nordic country like Sweden or Iceland or Norway. And how many countries give women equal legal rights with men in the workplace? Oh, this was really discouraging. There are six, six countries, six countries in the whole big world, and they are Belgium, Denmark, France, Luxembourg, Sweden, and get this, Latvia. Wouldn't our oh. grandparents be surprised? <laughs> Find Latvia way up there. Um, and these are the only countries where women and men have equal legal, legal rights in the workplace. And guess where the U.S. comes in on that? I don't measure? know. 78th? I give up. No, no. Better than that. 66. <laughs> oh, so, but think of it this way. A half dozen countries is not a lot, but it's up from zero a decade ago. Let's talk about the... Uh persistence of discrimination and, and violence against uh, women in, in other countries outside the United States. So what, what's the bad news on the discrimination and violence front? In Argentina, this is one of the worst stories that I came across. An 11-year-old rape victim was denied an abortion, although it should have been legal, even by their very restrictive laws. And instead, they kept postponing it and making a fuss and doctors said oh i won't do it and the hospital, you know they they postponed it through various subterfuges until she was 23 weeks pregnant and then they gave her a c-section uh. and the idea was well maybe this fetus will be viable but it kind of isn't and and you know this is an 11 year old child it's imagine terrible. putting mm. a little girl through that mm. I, I just can't get over it I just can't get over it. And then, you know, in more po probable terrible news for women, in Afghanistan, whatever we think about, you know, it's good that we're withdrawing. The Taliban is poised to join the government. And, you know, maybe that will mean fewer civilian casualties, which there have been a lot of this year. But it has to be bad news for women's education, employment, human rights. And women are so far not being included in any of the, uh, the peace discussions. And what's the worst news you have? Well, I think that, you know, in a lot of countries, women are edging forward. And it is, you know, the two steps forward, one step back thing we see with so much human progress. But there is a country where it's pretty much all backwards, and that's Russia. This year, it decriminalized domestic violence that doesn't break bones. <sighs> yeah, and that was Putin's party that was very keen on doing this. It's really pretty shocking. Each year, this really shocked me, 14,000 women are murdered in Russia, mostly by male partners. 14,000 women, that is an enormous number of people. Yeah. Um, in the United States, the number of women murdered by their partners is something, it's somewhere between 1,200 and 1,500. Uh, and that's a, you know, that's a very big difference. 
between us and them. So just to end on a weird note, (laughs) Vladimir Putin celebrated International Women's Day with an address in which he applauded Russian women as, quote, beautiful, bright, and charming. He went on to say, you manage everything at work and at home and still say beautiful, bright, and charming. We men must say frankly that it's not always easy for us to be worthy of you. Katha Pollitt, she wrote about <laughs> what to celebrate and mourn this International Women's Day. Reader at thenation.com. Katha, it's always great to have you on the show. It's always fun. You've been listening to Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine. You can hear more interviews like this one at thenation.com, and you can subscribe to Start Making Sense at iTunes Podcasts, Pocket Casts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm John Wiener. Thanks for listening. 